Young. Tyra, you guys we're tired of all your bitching out there. back to another episode of kombucha hour the podcast we're back in action it's currently what time is it even it's 12 20 p.m on friday <laughs> and i recorded this entire thing well i had planned to record this entire thing yesterday but i wanted to add something and i ended up saying fuck it and just saying i don't want to add it i don't want to make it too long so here i am <laughs> Welcome back. I know I have been gone for a few weeks. I think it's been a month now. My laptop was smashed. <laughs> so I had to go get another laptop, which those are the most expensive thing ever. Like, can we talk about that anyway? <laughs> so I had to go get another laptop. So thank God for pawn shops. And so we're back in action. I figured out how to download GarageBand and iMovie, which is what I edit with. And it has been such a task. And also my um, headphones, the beats that I usually use broke <laughs> last week, which is when I was, I feel like it was, no, I'm not going to say it was a blessing in disguise because it fucking wasn't. It was very expensive to get new headphones. Actually, I just got like some cheap ones and they're shaped like a cat. I got them from Amazon. Like it's like the Ariana Grande headphone wannabes, but it's like the, the really cheap ones because I'm a broke bitch, but it's like the knockoff ones. But my beats broke last week and last week I was planning on doing in a completely different episode. I was going to do something on what the fuck was I even going to talk about? I was going to talk about something, but then my beats broke. So I was waiting for these headphones to come into the mail and they're here. So uh, now I completely changed topics. And this week we are going to be talking about the Impossible Burger. And I thought I wanted to incorporate the Impossible Burger with the um, palm oil. And I thought like, like the title, I always usually do like three separate bullet points in like every single podcast or I try to do that. So I wanted to do the Impossible Whopper and kind of talk about that. I wanted to talk about animal testing and palm oil all in one because I felt like they kind of all coincided, especially if you follow me on Twitter. That has just been the hot topic since I decided that I'm a bored bitch and I tweeted, I wonder if I could start a riot on Twitter because I'm bored as fuck. <laughs> and I did. And it was fucking awful. <laughs> so um, this whole episode is just going to be about the Impossible Whopper, what I found out the information that I found defending myself and my veganism because I if you follow me on Twitter which I am assuming most people do um, if you don't my Twitter is at Tyra the Taurus I tweet really shitty tweets if you're into that you should follow me <laughs> but yeah anyway if you follow me on Twitter you saw like the whole impossible whopper people trying to take my V card away for eating the impossible whopper and i've always been one of those people that i love to defend myself and i love debating and getting into controversial topics even if it's sometimes annoying <laughs> but i'm one of those people that loves to do the research and present it in a way that's like ha got you not even like in a ha got you kind of way but it's like 
I love going back and forth in a productive way. I mean, there's people who don't know how to debate where they're just like evil and mean. And that's like not who I am. I just love constructive arguments, I guess. I guess not even arguments. I just love to talk and like debate. But actually, I don't because I don't leave my house. So I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But anyway, (laughs) before I get into the kombucha that I'm drinking and the topic, I just wanted to talk about my new shop that I just opened. If you guys haven't checked it out, you can go to www, three W's, <laughs> dot vegan girl gang, vegan girl gang co.com. I opened a shop with my best friend. It's like a feminist vegan brand and it's really cool and we have so many cool stuff planned that's coming out and you guys can also follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at vegan girl gang co. And we have like t-shirts and stickers and we're coming out with a bunch of new items too. And it's been really lit and you guys have been so supportive and so kind, especially since right now during this whole coronavirus thing, pretty much that's one of my only sources of income at the moment. So if you guys would like a sticker or a shirt, that would be very awesome. But if not, I get it. We're all fucking poor right now. (laughs) So I completely get that. But thank you for everyone who decided to support me and that's something this is something that we've always thought about doing which is crazy because I just remember being like 16 me and my best friend Kayla we just would sit in my room and just dream about designing stuff and coming up with clothes and like different like just random shit so it's been really cool that you guys have been so supportive and I love creating vegan girl gang when we were deciding different names for the shop once we decided on Vegan Girl Gang, I was so excited because it was exactly what I wanted to create a, you know, like a gang, (laughs) I guess, of like badass bitches. I don't fucking know. Like, we're just so cool. I just love vegan women and like feminism. Well, actually, I, I feel like I identify more with womanism than feminism, but I don't not claim to be a feminist. I do claim to be a feminist, but I more identify with womanism, but I am still feminist. So I'm a womanist, feminist, (laughs) intersectional feminist, I guess more is what I would describe myself as being, but whatever that none of this shit fucking matters. But just, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who supported me and who has supported our shop and been really cool. And I have been crying a lot (laughs) because When we were creating stuff, I was probably so annoying to Kayla because people on Twitter are so quick to like hate me for some reason. (laughs) So when we like were about to launch, like I was such a nervous wreck. I was literally gonna like I went into the bathroom and I puked so much silently to myself. I was just so nervous because I wanted everything to be perfect and I wanted everything to be. It was just something that meant a lot to me and I wanted it to be something that was positive and supportive so I was so nervous of people who who, like hate me (laughs) being like all your shit sucks (laughs) and I would have been like okay (laughs) anyway so like I said thank you and I'm gonna move on so the kombucha of the episode because this episode has 
is going to be a real controversial one I can already feel. So the kombucha of the episode is from Synergy Brand. It's not Synergy Brand. The kombucha of the episode is from GTS. Um, This is my favorite kombucha brand. It's the Synergy Organic Kombucha and the Divine Grape. And I got the one that comes in like the dark container. I guess like they're different, which is kind of funny because I didn't really think about that. If you guys drink kombucha, you know what I'm talking about. Like the ones that come in like the really dark container versus the ones that are see through and you can kind of see the color through it. The ones that come in the dark container contain like, I guess, a higher percentage of alcohol, which is still just like a very small amount. Also, if you guys hear growling in the background, it's it's my dog. (laughs) barking and growling at whatever is going on outside of my room right now so just that's what you're hearing anyway so these ones have just like I guess a little bit more alcohol like you literally get carded for them and like I never really feel anything but it makes me feel like a little bit like loose but it's definitely like you could totally drive you could totally like I guess it actually maybe I shouldn't say that (laughs) I'm pretty sure you can but um it's really not a lot of alcohol is what I'm saying it's just like such a small small amount of alcohol but you I guess you still need to get carded for it for some reason so it's the divine grape are you guys ready for the ASMR like kombucha opening ready So I hope this gives me a little bit of liquid courage. (laughs) I honestly, I'm so nervous, but I'm so excited to talk about this topic because I'm so ready to defend myself. You guys just don't even understand the research that I have found. I (laughs) have, okay, let me like, before I get into the topic, let me just like back up, backtrack, (laughs) get back to my notes before I get ahead of myself. Okay, so Today, we are talking about Impossible Foods, the Impossible Whopper. If you guys don't know what that is, it's the new vegan burger that Burger King just produced. I mean, I used to get the Impossible Burger. Where did I used to get it from? This restaurant downtown in Sacramento used to sell the Impossible Whopper before Burger King had it. And it was like the best burger, like vegan burger I've ever had in my life. I remember we ordered it from this restaurant called Kazbub. And I think it's like an Indian food restaurant and they had the impossible burger there. And I remember we ordered it through Postmates and it got to our um, it got to our house and we were eating it and I took a bite of it and I was like, I can't eat this. I was like, oh, my God, this is like straight up real meat. I remember like <laughs> I remember just being like, this is straight up real meat. I can't eat this. Like maybe they sent us like the wrong burger on accident because this this is straight up meat and I was so convinced that the impossible burger was meat especially when it's not cooked from Burger King which is you know fast food when you get it from like an actual restaurant I was so convinced that that shit was not vegan and I remember I straight up just gave my burger away to someone else because I was literally like nope this isn't vegan I know it's not so that's how good and in love I was with impossible foods a long time ago so when the when Burger King got the burger I remember I was I remember where I was when I found out that they were going to have it. They had not released it everywhere to like every location. But I remember I was waiting in line for a pump at the gas station. And I read on Twitter that the Burger King was going to have the Impossible Burger. And I cried my fucking little junk food ass, fat ass, vegan ass face out, eyes out. (laughs) I cried my fucking eyes out. I was so 
happy. I'm like clapping my hands. Like I'm getting so excited even just thinking about it because I loved this burger. Anyway, so it was very expensive at Burger King. And so I still got it anyway, but I would only get it sometimes. Kind of like how I feel about the Beyond Burger. Like when it just came out, I like overgot it. Like the Beyond Burger at Carl's Jr. Just because I was so excited to have like a mainstream vegan fast food option. Like you do not understand how tired I was of just eating Taco Bell. Now we have Taco Bell, which you can always veganize. People always ask me what my Taco Bell order is. And my go-to Taco Bell order is that I will get a bean burrito fresco style add potatoes grill it I think that's it bean burrito fresco style add potatoes get it grilled then I will get a crunch wrap I like to get to the refried bean crunch wrap so normally I'll just get a crunch wrap sub beans for beef but they also have a vegetarian crunch wrap which is a lot easier to order because you can just order the vegetarian crunch wrap and then order it fresco style and fresco style takes out all the like dairy out of it so it depends on what mood I am I prefer refried beans but usually I've just been ordering it just the vegetarian crunch wrap because it already comes with beans and I don't have to like worry about them accidentally putting beef on it because it's literally supposed to just be black beans. I didn't like sub it or anything. Anyway, so (laughs) I always get Crunchwrap. Um, Then I'll also add potatoes to my Crunchwrap and that's super good. And then I also like to add red chips to it too, but I don't normally do that, but that's also really good. If you guys didn't know the Chalupa shells that they have, those are also vegan. So you guys can order Chalupas with beans instead of beef, fresco style, and that's really good too. I don't usually get potatoes in that because the Chalupa shell is so thick already. So the potatoes and the, you know how Taco Bell never like actually plugs your food. They just give you like literally the smallest amount of beans. So like it was like gross to just have just straight up chalupa shell with potatoes I don't know I just wasn't feeling it but that's normally what I get but so I would always just get Taco Bell and it was kind of annoying so now it's crazy because it just felt like it happened all at once it was like boom 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 like all these fast food vegan options which is great so now we have you know obviously Taco Bell we have the Del Taco burrito they just got um, a vegan burrito and they have vegan tacos that uses Beyond Meat So that's been great. We also now have, well, I guess we have Panda Express too, but I guess this varies. The Panda Express is here. Their eggplant tofu is vegan and their chow mein everywhere should be vegan. And I'm pretty sure their fried rice everywhere should be vegan too. But don't quote me on the fried rice. I'm not exactly sure. But I know for sure PETA just said that their PETA like a couple years ago said that they changed or maybe this was last year but their chow mein should be vegan but just double check because I guess every franchise of Panda Express is different but it's cool because now I can also eat Panda Express again which I haven't been because usually Panda Express gives me a stomach ache but anyway so now we have Panda, Taco Bell, Del Taco, Carl's Jr. They also just got Beyond Meat burritos like breakfast burritos in the morning which you kind of have to take everything off of it but it's still good I promise especially if they actually plug it it's just beyond meat pico de gallo I think they add guacamole to it but if not no actually they don't have guacamole it's just hash browns beyond meat sausage which I've never had before it's so fucking amazing if you guys have the chance to try it definitely go try it it is kind of expensive but it's worth it if you're just like you are hungover and like need just like a Carl's Jr. like like a grimy breakfast burrito from like a fast food place. That's your go to. 
I just like love having these options because it just sucks to just like not have the option. Like obviously eat plant based, eat whole foods, blah, 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 be healthy, whatever. Like clearly. But I mean, it's just like great to have, you know, these options. I know they have like a new breakfast sandwich. It's vegetarian. It's not vegan. And I don't think you can make it vegan. I'm pretty sure the croissant bread that comes on it isn't vegan or the English muffin or whatever that comes on it isn't vegan but you can make their burritos vegan if you just take the cheese and egg off I believe I'm trying to think of any other fast food options I think that's about it as far as mainstream places getting fast food options I could be forgetting something but I'm pretty sure I'm a pretty big junk food person so probably not so we've just been getting a lot of cool vegan options lately and the impossible burger is just an addition to it so Burger King right now is doing two for six on their Impossible Whoppers too. So if you guys haven't had a chance to, you know, try the Impossible Whopper due to it being kind of expensive there, this is the perfect time. You can eat them all at one time like me <laughs> or you can get one, give one to a friend or you can save it for later or whatever. I usually like to go home and add way more lettuce to mine and also vegan mayonnaise and ketchup and vegan cheese but normally I don't really have vegan cheese because I'm just not a really big vegan cheese person I'm actually just have never been a cheese person at all not just anything against vegan cheese but lately I've been craving cheese so it's been nice to add that to the impossible whopper too now that I went on a tangent on fast food options I just wanted to like in case someone who is like transitioning to vegan or like didn't really know that they had these options I just wanted to let people know that those were an option for them so let's talk about the impossible whopper and the controversy surrounding the impossible whopper that has the whole vegan community fucking shitting their fucking goddamn pants. Okay, so the CEO of Impossible Foods, his name is Patrick O'Brown, I'm pretty sure. And from what I've seen, he is actually vegan and has been vegan for quite some time. And he was a professor at Stanford, which is um, here in California. And he decided after pursuing, after pursuing teaching that he had a desire to kind of just like switch career paths and wanted to address like the urgent problem of climate change. And so he got a team of like top scientists or whatever, you know, really smart people to recreate the sensory experience of like eating animal products. So the mission of Impossible Foods and like kind of what their mission is, is to I mean, and this is according to their website, they're basically their goal and their mission is to make sustainable plant-based products and to eliminate the need to make food from animals due to you know animal agriculture using extreme amounts of the world's natural resources so they're mostly about sustainability and recreating animal products through plants so that's important to keep in mind throughout this whole experience obviously or I guess this episode obviously they are still a vegan company from what I have researched but I think their main goal is sustainability and environmentalism so that's important just to keep in mind so it's kind of cool because they used gas chromatography, basically just aka science, <laughs> to figure out what the chemical breakdown is in meat and try to find what are some of those components in meat that were so alluring and like so delicious to meat eaters. They discovered a few things. 
And they discovered that there is a protein, which there is a heme protein, which if you guys don't know, heme protein is used in the transportation of oxygen. It's used for oxygen. It's used for oxygen reduction and electron transfer. And it's like it's really important for your body. So what they found is that there is roots in soy that produce this heme protein as well. So the key protein I guess is called soy leg hemoglobin (laughs) so I'm gonna call it SLH because that's what I have learned in school is like the I guess shorthand term for it (laughs) and it is what impossible food says makes meat actually like tastes make meat and this is produced via genetically modified yeast the yeast feed on sugar from plants and then it produces this slh and so i'm just gonna call it hemoglobin actually it's called leg hemoglobin but i don't i'm just gonna call it hemoglobin so the yeast feed on the sugar from plants and produces this hemoglobin and then there is also just to like put this out there, there's no traces of live yeast in the final product of the Impossible Burger. So in order to produce this hemoglobin in large quantities, they used genetically modified yeast that was able to produce this heme protein in larger quantities so that they can inject this protein into their foods. This is why the Impossible Burger compared to the Beyond Burger tastes so much like actual meat. And I believe Beyond Burgers use pea protein, not soy protein. I'm just talking about taste here. I haven't, I, I'm not going to talk about how Beyond Burger, I mean, Impossible Burger gets their texture or color or anything. This is just taste. So let's talk about, again, the goal of Impossible Foods. So the goal is to get this product, this burger, this Impossible Burger out there and for sale and have it be considered safe for public consumption. So they their main goal is to push this burger out as soon as possible to create less environmental harm. I read the actual study, the actual study of the burger being tested on the rats. That's where kind of like where the controversy starts. So I'm not going to obviously read the entire study and I can't really link it (laughs) from this podcast. So if you guys would like to read the actual study yourselves, feel free to DM me and I can link you the actual study. It's really not that long. Or you could just read the abstract of the study and that kind of tells you the gist of what the study is about. But I'm just going to kind of summarize it as best that I can. In the very beginning of the actual study that was conducted in like the introduction to their study, it starts off right off the bat by saying that Western diets containing meat have a larger negative impact on the environment and, you know, obviously compared to plant-based diets. And they state that many consumers are resistant to reducing the amount of meat they eat because plant-based burgers are usually, you know, not the best. They're usually, you know, like bean or corn or like corn-based or bean-based and they're usually like vegetable-based. 
So meat eaters are reluctant to make the switch from their meat, which is, you know, so addicting and so tasty to, you know, like a bean burger, which not saying bean burgers aren't good. Like I think they're good, but you know, obviously it's not, you know, meat. So clearly their concern is with the environment and meat's impact on the environment. And it goes to state that basically their product has the goal of converting meat eaters to plant eaters and their target audience isn't vegans or vegetarians. Their goal, like I said, is to reduce environmental impact. I'm going to keep saying that. I don't think that their goal really is to make products for vegans who are already reducing their meat intake. I think their main goal is to put out a burger for meat eaters to help fight climate change and environmental damage, basically, from animal consumption. Well, (laughs) as you know, we live in a very non-vegan world. And so a lot of the practices and testings for food, especially um, especially food, is not vegan friendly. So the FDA basically tells Impossible Foods, like, you're full of shit. (laughs) Basically, you need to test this product on animals in order to be certified grass. And grass just basically means that it's generally recognized as safe for consumption. So Impossible Foods, you know, like they actually do argue against this. They say, you know, this protein is very similar to the protein that we already see in society and that society already consumes on a daily basis. And there really shouldn't be any bad reactions to the burger unless someone, you know, is actually allergic to soy. And so they kind of did fight the FDA back on this. They did not want to do animal testing in the first place. And I think it was kind of bogus that they even had to do it in the first place in order to get this certification. Because honestly, if you really think about it, think about how much soy we eat every day. I mean, like there's pretty much soy in everything. If you tried to be soy free, it would be kind of hard. I mean, nowadays they have a lot of new products coming out that are soy free, but it would be kind of difficult to be 100% soy free. So they were basically arguing like, come on, like (laughs) you guys are really going to make us test this product when you guys know it's just basically soy. But the FDA, of course, being extremely, you know, anti-vegan association says, nope, that's not good enough. You basically need to do the animal testing. So Impossible Foods did have a choice. They had a choice to say they could have just said, forget it, even though we created this amazing, awesome product that is extremely similar to me. And we did all of this science and did all of this research to create this product that we know would convert meat eaters to plant eaters. And we could scrap that all and just not really get our product in mainstream places and mainstream retailers and sacrifice that bigger picture of converting meat eaters to plant eaters, especially in fast food form and, you know, help vegans and vegetarians and plant based people who are, you know, wanting that meat taste and giving them a plant based option. Like we could scrap that all and just say, you know, we're not going to test on animals and we're done and like forget it. Or they had the option to test on the animals. Well, they decided that they wanted to get, you know, the product to out on the market to as many people as they possibly could 
So they went ahead and did the testing on animals. Now, this is where the part, this is where it kind of gets controversial in the vegan community, especially in the cruelty-free people who identify as cruelty-free community. Like I said, Impossible Foods never wanted to test their product on animals. After they decided to go ahead and do the testing on the rats, they tried to find a lab that uses the best end practices to not, like they, they tried to find a lab that is well known for being humane. I mean, as far as humane you can get as animal testing, I don't really consider animal testing to really be humane if in the end the animal dies so they tried to find the place that would be the most humane in quotation marks so they searched for a lab that is known that is not known for doing like extreme testing and so reading this study came at the most perfect time for me because I actually am currently enrolled in two research method classes right now I'm enrolled in research methods through nutrition and I am also enrolled in research methods through psychology So I'm taking basically two research method classes and we just read studies pretty much all day. So this podcast episode was just like perfect because I was able to read this study and kind of interpret it and I actually was able to write a paper on it. So it kind of like went hand in hand perfectly. The first thing I did, obviously, as being a student who is researching, (laughs) being a student that's researching. Yeah, that totally sounds smart, but... (laughs) The first thing I did as a person who is trying to become better at reading research and scientific studies, the first thing I did was scroll all the way down (laughs) to the conflicts of interest. That's always like what I want to know first before I go into reading a story. Were there any conflicts of interest? I mean, we see this all the time with studies that'll say dairy is good for you just for example let's just say like there's a study that says dairy is good for you before i even want to dive into this study i want to see if you know who funded it who did the study who contributed to the study so the study um let's say the study was conducted by the dairy or not conducted let's say the study was funded by the dairy industry you at least know going into the study i'm not saying that that study couldn't have i mean dairy is not good for you that that's a bad example but i'm not saying that studies that have conflict of interest can't be unbiased it's just nice to know going into a study who the conflict of interest is and it's usually listed towards the very bottom so that's the first thing I did when I was reading this study as far as conflict of interest goes in the study there are three and I'm trying to be as unbiased as I possibly can here I know vegans are like they're coming for me saying like oh you're gonna like just defend the impossible burger I'm saying how I feel I'm being very open don't believe in animal testing I'm just like being unbiased I am I'm reading the conflicts of interest I'm like acknowledging the conflicts of interest I'm not trying to be like I'm just giving you guys the information and obviously I'll give you guys my full opinion at the end but I just wanted to give you guys all the background information first so that you guys can form your own opinion and that's why I want you guys to read the studies and especially since it's on vegan twitter we just even me included and I just tweeted this and I deleted it because I was like whatever I'm not trying to start anything 
us about this impossible debate but it's like we take so much stuff that as factual and we don't actually research it ourselves we just retweet it and we're like that's right it came from a vegan it has to be right and and I'm not saying that people don't do their research I'm sure that they do but sometimes we just can get into a mode where we think anything that's pro-vegan is 100% correct and that's just not the truth and that's like that's the same with anything that's anti-vegan it's not 100% the truth either anyway so like I said I'm just I want you guys to know I went into this obviously as an impossible eater but I'm giving you guys the information so that you guys can form your own opinions and do what you guys think is best for you but I just hope that you guys listen to the whole podcast (laughs) first before you make that decision and then if you do decide you don't want to eat the impossible burger you want to eat the impossible burger that is completely your choice boo-boo okay anyway so back to the conflicts of interest so there are three authors that were employed by impossible foods that were involved in the study the other authors besides these three authors were declared to have no conflicts of interest which is good it's always good to see who the first author is though because you know they always fight for that number one spot especially when you're doing citing obviously citing multiple authors can get kind of wordy so you are able to condense the citing a little bit more when you're writing research papers so it's good to have your name first on the research and the first name listed was someone that was employed by impossible foods so the first three authors that were listed in the study i'm pretty sure were employed by impossible foods so take that information with you as I go along about the study and if you decide to read the study yourself. So the study was testing the systemic and female reproductive toxicity. And there were two, I'm pretty sure from what I have found, there were two separate 28-day dietary studies conducted on these. I'm going to totally butcher the name of these rats. They are sprong, sprongu, (laughs) sprog dolly rats i'm not gonna say what rats they are they are just rats so (laughs) i'm just gonna continue just to say rats but if you guys wanted to know it's s-p-r-a-g-u-e space (laughs) d-a-w-l-e-y rats there you go i believe the rats were fed multiple different doses of this soy protein a day But don't quote me on that. From what I first saw, I mean, the study is so wordy and it has so much. And I'm not a scientist by any means. I am a dietitian. I can tell you to eat a... I'm not even a dietitian yet, but I can tell you that apples are good for you. I can tell you how to maybe control your diabetes, but I will not be able to tell you exactly how to read a full scientific research paper yet. I do not have my PhD yet. I hope to get that, but just so like I said, take what I'm saying with a grain of fucking salt because this fucking study was full of so many wordy words that were for smart people, okay? And I am not one of those. So I believe the rats were fed about 750 milligrams of this protein a day, which is way more than the average person would ever consume in a day, by the way. I think the study claims that this amount of milligrams is 100 times greater than the 90% estimated daily intake of soy. So take that with a grain of salt. (laughs) I mean, like, 
I guess not take that with a grain of salt. That's straight up fact. But take that information as you will. They were feeding these rats a hundred times greater the amount than the actual daily intake would ever really be. So clearly stated in the abstract of the study, it states that there were no mortalities associated with the administration of the protein. So what I thought that meant was that no rats died during the study. But as I was reading, I kept saying I kept saying that they were talking about a necropsy, necropsy, which in sciencey biology terms basically is like an autopsy for animals. And I was like, obviously, in order to have a necropsy, and I know I'm saying that wrong, <laughs> but in order to have, you know, this autopsy of these rats, obviously an autopsy can't be performed unless they're dead. So I'm assuming that the rats weren't killed from the soy intake, but they eventually killed the rats. And I it doesn't really go into detail from what I've seen. I didn't really see how the rats were killed in the study, but I'm assuming they killed the rats to examine their organs to see if there was any damage to their organs associated with soy intake is what I'm assuming. And I have been seeing different YouTube people say, oh, no rats died, but there's no possible way that no rats died because clearly some had to die because they wouldn't have an autopsy without it. So I thought maybe that meant that they died naturally. And then once because these rats typically I thought, I think, don't quote me, but I remember reading that they only had like a one to three year lifespan. So I thought that that meant that they possibly could have lived out their full lives and then once they died, had an autopsy performed on them. But I'm pretty sure that's not what happened. I'm pretty sure they just killed them and after the study was done and examined an autopsy, like did ex- like examine their organs and stuff. That's not something I know. So that's what I'm assuming. Just putting that out there. Like I said, the study is super wordy with a bunch of scientific BS. So I'm gonna try to break it down and point out the major conclusions. So the rats used were put under like a 12 hour light cycle. So it was like a 12 hour light and dark cycle at a room temperature about like like about 19 to 22 degrees Celsius, which in Fahrenheit, let me like convert that in my head for a second. Night. So I'm going to do like 20 degrees Fahrenheit would be like 68 degrees. No. So like 20 degrees Celsius would be like 68 ish degrees Fahrenheit, give or take. So probably like 70 degrees Fahrenheit ish. And the animals, the rats were grouped housed. And so they received like enrichment activities is what they described it. So they gave them like chew sticks and like different little like rat toys, I guess, throughout the duration of the study. So it's not like they were kept in these like little small like cages where they just fucking went crazy. I mean, I'm not justifying anything. I know vegans are going to be like, Tyra, justified animal cruelty and her like, no, I'm just saying that they were kept with other rats that they were able to socialize and they were given, you know, like treats and toys and stuff like that they weren't like abused or I guess they were technically abused because they were killed but do you guess what I'm saying like they weren't like kept in these little small cages where they fucking went mad and were banging their hand against the fucking glass like we see in the movies okay anyway so they were housed 
together socially. I don't know if they were together all the time, but it just said that the animals were group housed. So I believe their ages ranged from seven to eight weeks of age during the start of the study. And and there was one control group per sex and three dietary levels per sex. So I think that just meant like they were giving them different doses of the soy. But again, I'm not exactly sure. And I don't really think that makes a huge difference. I just know that they were given way more amount of soy than they were supposed to be eating. Their body weights were recorded I think twice during the study is from what I concluded and each diet was planned depending on the initial body weight of the rat at the start of the study. So I think that that's how they were kind of distributed based off of by body weight and they were kind of like placed in the different dietary intakes based off of their body weight is what I'm consuming. I mean it's what I'm assuming. They also had blood samples that were were also taken from them throughout the study to ensure that they were healthy and blah 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 all that stuff and then basically a bunch of studies were conducted and blah 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 over this 28 day trial period the study states you know multiple times over and over and over again that there were no deaths associated with the impossible foods testing of the soy but i like i said i'm assuming they killed them to examine their organs at the end so in the study if you come from a world of science. I like I said I'm a nutrition and foods like dietetics major. So I have read so many cruel studies with animal deaths in the thousands. So I was kind of surprised that the impossible foods testing only involved I think under 130 rats. I have just seen so many awful tests. I have just read so many studies especially just during this research class classes i have read so many studies with thousands and thousands and thousands of animal deaths for like one study and that just seemed to be kind of common (laughs) in my life at this point so when i saw that impossible foods testing only had like under i mean i'm not saying only i know people are gonna be like oh she's justifying it again like i'm gonna cry my fucking eyes out because the fucking rats died entirely justifying it no i'm just saying like typically that's not normal typically from what i've seen there are especially for a major retailer to only have like a hundred or so rats is kind of insane especially since i have seen that like i said number be in the thousands and i'm I'm not saying that there aren't other tests too that have numbers in the hundreds or even less than that i'm just saying that from i have seen the the lower amount of legal rats (laughs) that you can use is usually in the hundreds in order to get the grass certification so like i said animal testing regardless is cruel and awful and there is a lot of pushback now especially as our generation you know is shifting and people are becoming more and more less ignorant to sentient beings and being more aware of their feelings so i believe we're going to hopefully see like a shift away from animal testing very 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 soon i i have just seen it just from what my professors have told me that there is starting to become more and more awareness consciously in the science community of people who are starting to care more about animal testing and Honestly, there is a controversy if animal testing is even accurate because our bodies are so different, obviously, from like rats and bunnies and stuff like that. 
So um, there is kind of like a shift and Cecily just have been seeing like there's the numbers of like accuracy when we do animal testing is just so bizarre sometimes and it's not even like accurate. It's just been so it's 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 controversial and I think it will soon be pushed out hopefully and then these vegan companies that are emerging are able to you know get these certifications and stuff without having to bend their morals kind of like for the greater good I think that that is going to happen especially as the generations come if we don't destroy it from climate change (laughs) so impossible foods used a like I said very a small amount of rats to do their testing brown who is the ceo like I said of impossible foods explained that he used the minimal amount of rats legally possible And that they were housed, as I described above in the study, in the best conditions possible at a lab that's known for the best humane practices. And so he definitely went out and researched, you know, what is the legal, the less amount of harm that I could possibly do in order to get this burger out to the mainstream world. So now that I've kind of explained the study, like I said, the study was conducted. There was it was concluded that there was no harm done to the rats as a result to eating the soy. Therefore, it's safe for general consumption and Impossible Foods was able to get their certification through grass. And now they're able to sell to more major retailers instead of only being able to sell at small local shops, which I guess explains kind of why I was only able to get their burger at very remote different places and now it's more mainstream and hopefully when I'll be sold in stores and stuff like that too but we'll see where that goes. So now I kind of want to shift into my personal opinion now that I've given you guys the full background on Impossible Foods, their goal, their strategy, why they did what they did, how they did what they did, and kind of give you my viewpoint as a vegan who is clearly against animal testing. I just feel like I've been talking forever. Like, don't, do you guys ever get tired of hearing the sound of my own voice? In my garage band, I don't think it tells me how many seconds or minutes I've been recording. So I really just talk and talk and talk. And that's why I was like, I should probably only talk about impossible foods in this episode and not try to talk about all of animal testing and all of palm oil because those are just two huge topics too on themselves. And I know, okay, so I also wanted to talk about PETA's response to the impossible foods bullshit because they came out with this weird article study thing with like all these like weird unnamed like sources and it was just like very sketch and I felt like I was in like a criminal minds episode like putting together all this like random shit from PETA so I decided to just go ahead I you guys know how I feel about PETA like I really don't care I don't hate them but I don't love them I don't think they're good for the vegan community but I also think they're good for the vegan community because they've helped me go vegan but I also feel like they do a lot of harm Whatever, I don't like to give my attention to PETA because I think everybody gives their attention to PETA. I think vegans are so like, we're so focused on making sure that meat eaters don't associate us with PETA. And we're just like, oh my God, I hate PETA. Like make sure all the meat eaters know that I'm not for PETA, which I think is good. I'm not saying that it's a bad thing, but I just think there's so much attention on PETA and I don't really care about PETA that much. So I'd never really like to give them that satisfaction of I don't know I just feel like every vegan and their grandparent loves to just I hate PETA just letting you know that I don't like PETA and it's like this big like I don't like PETA thing and then there's vegans who like PETA and they go like and they defend them without like logical thinking I don't think PETA is 100% bad 
So I feel like there's like, again, this divide in the vegan community, like with PETA, that's like either I hate PETA and I don't ever want to be associated with PETA. And I think PETA is disgusting and terrible and awful and blah, blah, blah. And I have to make sure every meat eater on the planet knows that I'm not associated with PETA. And then there's the other vegan that's like, I don't think PETA's that bad. I think you guys are over-exaggerating, blah, 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 blah. PETA, whatever, they're crazy. A lot of the times, I just, I don't like to give them my attention. Anyway, but I did decide that I will do an episode on PETA, how I feel about PETA, kind of dive into all the controversies of PETA. So I decided to turn that into a whole episode instead of involving their views on impossible foods and this particular podcast i kind of just wanted to focus on what impossible foods is and how i feel about their animal testing so i want to talk about cruelty free i want to talk about what cruelty free actually means what cruelty free should mean and why i don't buy into the vegans that don't eat impossible burgers because they test on animals so let's get into that this is obviously a controversial topic and obviously i consume the impossible burger And people, like I said, have taken my vegan card away, told me I am basically a meat eater, told me that I am basically plant-based. Like, you are not vegan. (laughs) Like, you eat the Impulsor Burger, how dare you? You hate rats. You hate them. Which I actually have a rat phobia. I am not kidding. Like, people think it's funny. People think it's a joke. But if you know me in real life, if I see a rat, if I hear a rat, I could literally faint. I would like straight up faint as a kid when I would see rats because we just moved into our house that was built on grassland and like wheatland and like farmland. (laughs) So we used to have a lot of rats that would run through our house and I was so deathly afraid of them that I would literally faint. I would literally pass out. I would literally cry. I have just like this weird phobia. Not that I and that's not saying that I want rats to die. I'm not saying that I love this testing on rats because fuck rats, nothing like that. I just actually am deathly afraid of them. I'm not saying that they're evil. I'm not saying that they're not capable of being compassionate. I know people who have rats as pets. That's great for them. I can't do it. I have a phobia. I'm sorry. It is It is what it is. I know a friend of mine that's vegan that is afraid of chickens. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? That doesn't mean he wants all chickens to die. He doesn't eat chickens. He just is afraid of chickens. It just is what it is. I'm sorry if that bothers you, but I actually am afraid of rats. Anyway, that has something to do with anything. But people have been coming for me. I got called a fat ass for liking the Impossible Burger. I got said I'm not vegan. I got said I love the taste of meat. Like, <laughs> just like so much crazy shit I've gotten these past couple days on Twitter, which I should read some of these tweets now that I know what I know, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that to y'all. I'm not gonna do it anyway. (laughs) So when we're talking about animal testing and like luxury items, like cosmetics, something people don't like actually need. I'm not saying that people need to eat the Impossible Burger. I'm not saying that anything like that. I'm just saying like makeup is such a luxury item. Like it's literally unneeded. Whereas like food is food you know like food availability like I I think food is a little bit not saying that I condone animal testing for food I'm just saying that like especially for makeup that is like straight up unnecessary like you straight up don't need to do that at all with cosmetics and stuff like that I know people are going to try to use what I'm saying as like justification to like test 
makeup or something absolutely fucking not like people are not gonna go make like animals should not die so that i should have unblended eyeshadow like absolutely fucking not like my fucking makeup looks so disgusting and so nasty no animal should ever have to fucking die for that it's not contributing at all to the greater good of society for me to test my fucking shimmer on rabbits like that's just stupid as fuck anyway in the grand scheme of things if i had to make the decision myself to give rats the soy protein in exchange for the impossible burger which is just wow let's just talk about how much this burger has like actually changed the game i was doing vegan tabling at my college you know before all of this coronavirus stuff happened and now we can no longer go to school and I was doing vegan vegan tabling there and I met this guy who hated the texture of the Beyond Burger and he works on the road a lot and has been concerned, you know, about his cholesterol. So he looks forward, you know, to more vegan options because as you guys know, all vegan options are cholesterol free and he relies a lot of the times, he's not vegan himself, but he relies a lot of the time on vegan fast food options when he's on the road or on the go. And, you know, he also, without stating so, But from studying psychology and that being my minor and, you know, studying a lot about eating disorders, he was exhibiting binge eating symptoms. (laughs) Although I'm not a medical professional and I'm definitely not in the position to judge someone's health or mental health or anything like that. I am not diagnosing him with binge eating. I'm not saying he has an eating disorder just from what I have he was telling me and I didn't tell him hey I think you have a binge eating disorder absolutely not I'm and you guys don't know who he is this is just an example that I'm using it's a real life example but I'm not I I did not diagnose him with this is just me telling my podcast that he was kind of exhibiting binge eating symptoms and describing binge eating symptoms from what it seemed not diagnosing him with anything so he said he has completely switched from eating beef patties to the impossible burger and he swears off all fast food beef due to the impossible burger and so i decided let's just really think about this for a second so think about it even if he eats he says that he eats fast food about three times a week and let's just for sake of example say that those three times a week he was going to eat burgers he could eat you know tacos or ground beef or something or whatever but let's just say for sake of example he eats three beef burgers a week when he gets fast food three times a week So a quarter pounder burger, give or take, requires about 660 gallons of water. One pound of beef requires like like 18,000 or 1800 gallons of water to produce. So again, one quarter pounder takes 660 gallons of water and one pound of beef requires 1800 gallons of water to produce. So if we have a person, the guy like I was talking about in my example, who eats fast food burgers three times a week, that's 1980 gallons of water per week. So this guy with his diet of eating three burgers a week contributes to 1980 gallons of water per week for all of those three beef patties. If you can't picture a gallon, let me give you like some examples. Obviously, you have a gallon of milk, which is like those stereotypical plastic containers that have like the different colored tops on them. 
that's a gallon a gas can that's a gallon those like reusable water containers that you refill and you take to like the water store or whatever you fill up your water in that's also a gallon if you think in cups there are 16 cups of water in one u.s liquid gallon and for people who use the metric system that's one gallon is like approximately fuck let me do this in my head because i didn't write it down one gallon is like approximately like three let's just say 3.8 liters so one gallon is like 3.8 liters in the metric system basically i did all this breakdown i know what it sounds like petty and like repetitive but i really need people to like picture how much damage we are doing by having these mainstream options be beef and be animal products um and it has been like studied that people who hear extreme numbers and like the millions and billions we just can't even comprehend those big of numbers so it's good to like think of it visually like that is 16 cups or that is one gallon you know like of like a gas can and he would contribute to basically two thousands of those two thousand gallons of water per week just for his lunch of one burger for the past three days three days a week one burger that's two thousand gallons of water so this man's fast food diet uses two thousand gallons of water a week just for the beef patty and this isn't talking about cheese and the numbers vary from what i've said i found for cheese because some don't include you know like the animal feed and the animal upkeep and the water that actually goes into producing one pound of cheese but what i found is that it takes another additional 600 gallons of water so and on average that is like 1.2 gallons from 1.2 gallons of milk for every one pound of cheese so these numbers could be off like i said again just do your own research but regardless the environmental impact of producing one fast food burger is ridiculous it's uh, it's just insane and when i remember researching it i didn't think it was true i was like there's no way it takes that much water to produce one burger and i think people don't really think of it when you're getting a cheeseburger you're not thinking i have just used up 1200 gallons or 12 12 yeah 1200 gallons of water for one cheeseburger and that's just the burger patty and the cheese that's not the mayonnaise that's not whatever else you're putting on it the bacon or whatever that's just straight up beef patty and cheese so for me i weigh out the pros and cons of every situation to me testing on the rats which is awful is worth it i'm sorry I-, I just think that it means we are able to transition more people from a beef patty to a vegan patty and the impossible whopper that provides the same taste and same texture as meat uses 75 percent less water than a beef patty not to mention 95% less land and produces 87% fewer greenhouse gas emissions than an animal-based burger. That Those percentages is just amazing to me and it like literally makes me so happy when I think about the fact that there are so many people out there like this guy is just one example that has switched their meat consumption to fully being the impossible burger and fully using way less water and way less energy and way less land and way less resources to fund their diet or produce their diet and I just think it's really fucking cool and it makes you like kind of want to cry but like I just think it's so cool that we are able to create these different textured and tasting meat 
products that are made from plants. And I just think it's really fucking dope. Anyway, so Impossible Foods wanted to get this product, like I said, out to the public as fast with urgency, which is which I share that same desire and that same urgency. The more people we can wean off beef patties, God fucking knows the better. So when vegans have this like superiority, like, wow, I can't believe you would eat a burger that's tested on animals. They always, 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 always forget and never, ever, ever, ever 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 mention the foods that they eat that were tested on animals as well they always have this like superiority like oh, you're so awful like i can't believe you're eating that burger that was tested on animals but never mentioned the extreme amount of foods that they eat in their everyday lives that were also tested on animals for example they never mentioned you know the fruits and vegetables that were also tested on animals due to gmos animals had to eat gmo fruits and vegetables in order for them to ensure that they were safe for consumption that means all of your fruits and vegetables that you were eating that are gmo produced were 100 tested on animals at some point but they never bring that up they always just bring up the impossible burger being tested on animals and i'm going to i'm going to butcher butcher this name but i think it's xanthum xanthum gum i don't really know how to pronounce that i think that's right <laughs> xanthum gum which is like in a variety of products has been tested on multiple animals on multiple different times and there's no outrage there i mean even tennis balls aren't even technically vegan they also contain animal products so that means if you're not going to eat impossible foods for their animal testing then you should also not eat beyond meat you shouldn't eat ripple because ripple uses pea protein that was also tested on animals that means no hemp or rice products considering those were also fda certified as grass grass like i said by the way just means generally recognized as safe and before i get into another point which this is the part that just like gets me like this is the part where i was waiting to get to this part of the episode because this is the biggest defense i have for myself besides the fact that i think it's justified as far not justified i just think that we live in a non-vegan world and we in our everyday lives do things that aren't really vegan friendly just because you know like we have to make some source of mean of income. And I also think that we also sometimes have to do non-vegan things to potentially produce more vegans. As like, like I said, we have to go through different testings and different things like that to get FDA approval so that we can create more vegans. And it's sad because we don't live in a vegan world. So clearly the practices and testing that are available to us aren't vegan. But if you just Google foods that are um, certified by the FDA as grass, generally recognized as safe for con consumption, it'll give you a full list. I'm just going to scroll through this list of different foods and different products that vegans that were in my mentions talking about oh you eat the impossible burger that was tested on animals that they also use like corn oil that's tested on animals find shea butter that was also tested on animals wheat germ extract is tested on animals rice bran extract is tested on animals corn protein tested on animals cranberry extract tested on animals coffee extract tested on animals canola protein pea protein soy protein 
protein. And that's kind of how Beyond Meat, there is this one guy in my mentions that was going off on me for eating the Impossible Burger, saying that you can just eat the Impossible, eat the Beyond Burger. Nah, nigga, I can't just eat the fucking Impossible Burger. I mean, I can't just eat the Beyond Burger because if I'm not going to eat the Impossible Burger because they're animal testing, you want me to not eat rice? You want me to not eat pea protein? You want me to not eat vegetables and fruits? You want me to buy all organic, which is not even technically fully organic i mean even sometimes things that are organic like you can't really say they're 100 organic anyway it gets into this big game of how vegan can i be like all you can really do is your best and all the foods that we usually eat have been tested on animals i mean i can't even think about the amount of things that I've like this one vegan that I used to be friends with. If you guys follow me on Twitter, I tweeted about this. This one vegan that I used to be friends with that was texting me about how I'm not vegan because I eat the Impossible Burger and was like going off on me. She posted on her own Instagram story of her drinking Ripple. Ripple! Ripple, which you guys don't know, that's like the the pea milk brand. They make milk. It's really good because pea protein has a lot of has like a high percentage of protein. So it's one of the like few plant milks that have like a lot of protein in them. It's a really good company too. If you guys check them out, Ripple. Ripple has is made from pea protein. So so is the Beyond Burger. Anyway, so she was like ripping me one. <laughs> Ripple me, rippling me run, ripping me ripping me she was going off on me and my fucking text messages being a fucking fool all up in my text message talking about how i'm not vegan because i eat the impossible burger when this bitch was straight up drinking pea milk that was testing on animals pea protein testing on animals just like this soy pro this soy protein was testing on animals just like the pea milk that you're drinking that was testing on animals and this other guy in my mentions was like i can't get behind the impossible burger because they test on animals you should have eat the beyond burger and wrong wrong answer fucking no the fucking beyond burger has pea protein in it and that is haha testing on animals gmo fruits and vegetables testing on animals shea butter testing on animals like and the reason that beyond can get away with saying that they didn't test on animals is because they don't need to do the testing again because they the pea protein has already been tested so that's another benefit i think of impossible foods just getting this testing out of the way because now other brands and other stores or whatever companies can come in and use this soy extract this protein and they can use it this hemoglobin they can use this to create another brand of vegan meat you know and like they don't have to say it was tested on animals either it would be the same thing but because like PETA made this huge big fucking deal about them testing on animals and now all these vegans all these purist fucking vegans are talking about how you're not vegan and the burger is not vegan because it's tested on animals but they will eat other things that are tested on animals just so hypocritical and it just shows that we're looking for things to be more vegan than the next person it's like I'm more vegan than you because I don't eat the impossible burger and I'm more vegan than you because I don't eat mock meats at all like I am just full plant it's just like this big game of how vegan more how more vegan am I than you basically is what vegan twitter loves to play that game another point that I wanted to make is that I know this episode is long I'm sorry but I have to make all these points because 
I don't ever want to fucking talk about this shit again. So whenever someone comes in my mentions talking about it, I'm just going to link them this episode. So if you made it this far, let me know because I know I have just been going off on a fucking tangent. Anyways, another point that I actually I didn't find this point. I, I got this from um, someone else and I, I think it was like a blog post and I'm not exactly sure which blog it was, but I just want to make sure that I don't take credit for this thought, but I can't think of where the blog was and I didn't write it down. But we also spay and neuter dogs and cats, which has a mortality rate of 0.3%, meaning about 500,000 cats and dogs die in order to spay and neuter the entire global population of pets and animals. So for every 10,000, let's say like for every 10,000 cats that is spayed and neutered, we sacrifice at least three in order to spare the lives of thousands in the future. And I think that this is such a good example because the testing that this protein, the testing of this protein now animals are going no animals are going to have to die for another company or another brand that wants to use this protein again in the future so and it's not like impulsible foods has to continuously you know test this product it's already been certified as generally safe for consumption so nobody would ever have to do this testing again and i think it's just kind of like it's kind of similar to spay and neutering animals like we know that there is a possibility that animals are going to have to die but we are going to save more animals in the future by not producing like overproducing a huge population of animals by fixing our animals we are not producing more and more animals that are going to be left out on the street in shelters and eventually have to go by be killed by PETA in their shelters you know what I mean Anyway, just like I think it's ridiculous to not eat fruits and vegetables that were produced with GMOs because the GMOs might have been tested on animals. Hey guys, also um, my podcast decided to stop recording in the middle of this episode. So once I realized this, I had already finished the episode. And so I went to like hit like end recording last night and it decided to um, stop recording at that point. So I'm going to record the end of this podcast now. But just so if you guys are wondering if the sound changed or something this is the next morning so that's why like i was saying if people want to go on the grass website and they want to eliminate every single thing which i know they won't i know they won't i know they will try and you know it's sad it's not sad but i think that it's i understand the frustration of living in a non-vegan world clearly as a vegan and i think that that's something that all vegans can pretty much unite on and I know there's few things that we can unite on but I genuinely get it how frustrating how irritating how fucked up it is that we live in a world where in order to spread more vegan products in the mainstream form it has to be tested on animals I get that frustration I get not wanting to support that I get wanting other vegans to join you in your plight of being this perfect vegan I even though I know like they get a lot of flack and I have like said a lot of mean things but like I genuinely do get it I do what I'm saying though and that I think comes with just maturity and just like realizing that I'm not going to be able to be a perfect vegan is that there's no benefit in telling other vegans that they're not vegan because they eat products that's tested on animals when you do as well and I think that more vegans when they realize that hey the everyday products that I'm eating that I'm consuming that I'm drinking that I'm using in my body has 
an ingredient that's probably been tested on animals. I think it's sad. I think it really is something that's depressing. But I think that when they come to that realization and realize that it's kind of ridiculous to police other people for what they're eating when you are doing the same thing. My mom is saying hello to my dog this morning. Anyway, um, I think that when you start to realize that you're policing other vegans for doing the same thing that you're doing, it's just kind of counterproductive. To just kind of wrap things up, I don't think it's, I do think transitioning to human testing is the way to go. And obviously we are human. So I mean, and like I've said before, I've been doing a lot of research for my research method classes. And um, we had a whole section on animal testing and how kind of outdated it is and how kind of cruel, obviously, not even kind of, it is just straight up cruel to say, hey, um, these rats should die so that I can have cosmetics or food or whatever, but I wouldn't personally put my family and myself in those situations. And I think that there is becoming more and more awareness how unethical that is. So I do think that in the future, we are going to transition to more of a human testing environment, which I think is something that's beneficial. So to just kind of wrap up my main points, if you're going to take anything away from this podcast, on pretty much everything you eat has some type of cruelty involved in it or has been tested on animals and has a grass generally recognized as safe as consumption certification so trying to be this perfect vegan that i know you want to be is just not really productive and not really where you should be putting your energy and i think the best thing that we can possibly do is shift this narrative that we have to test on animals in order for things to be recognized as safe for consumption if we are going to say that something is safe for consumption it needs to be safe for consumption for humans it shouldn't be safe for consumption on rats because we are not rats we shouldn't be imposing our food and cosmetics and whatever medicines and i know that's controversial and i'm not saying that you're not vegan if you are doing these things i'm just saying that we shouldn't be imposing these hardships and fatal consequences on animals when these are products for our own species so i think as a society as long as you're not being a fucked up person and you're not trying to tell people that they're not vegan and like they're not vegan if they're taking medicine and all of that that's just not productive and i think the most productive thing that we can do is shift the narrative that we need animal testing in order to recognize things as safe for consumption i am going to do a whole episode on just animal testing because i think that this is important information and i don't want people to take this podcast and think that i am pro animal testing i'm not i just am saying that this world is not vegan and we do everyday things like i know just know that we all do things in our jobs and our everyday lives like i remember when i worked at the body shop i had to sell products that were tested on animals we just do things in our everyday lives to make money, to survive, to create more vegans because we live in a non-vegan world. And as vegans, instead of trying to police other vegans for saying that, hey, you're not vegan if you do this and hey, you're not vegan if you do this, if we recognize that we live in a non-vegan world and we actually unite, fight against the everyday oppressions of animals that we contribute to. And I think that's way more productive. And I think that we could really change a lot of shit if we stopped infighting (laughs) and actually came together and made a difference because we're fucking powerful and i know you guys know that i say that all the time because people like to 
point out this, oh, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism and we all are just pointless little beings and we all suck. I mean, true. (laughs) But I mean, if you look at any movement throughout history, things don't get done by infighting. If I mean, and I know it happens, it's just inevitable, especially when that's all you're surrounded by. We don't get to just meet with billionaires every day and tell them how unethical they are. So there's going to be infighting between people in your own cause. But just like I'm sure during the civil rights movement, there obviously clearly was disagreement in how we're going to go about getting civil rights and basic human rights. So I mean, I know that that's inevitable. But when we all come together, and I think just like if you guys haven't seen who killed Malcolm X on Netflix, that's a really good documentary has nothing to do with I'm talking about. But just to like give it another example, as far as like, outside of veganism, kind of like how Martin Luther King and Malcolm X disagreed on a lot of different things, although they were fighting against the oppression of black people, kind of towards the end of Malcolm X x's life he was trying to mend those disagreements that he had with other civil rights leaders because at the end of the day there's we are not going to fight our oppressors by fighting the people who are oppressed you know what i mean you're not going to end oppression of animals and end animal testing by telling someone else that they're not vegan for eating products that are tested on animals when you do the same you're just unaware and i think um once people start to realize that we will fuck shit up and i think that we will be so productive and we will be so amazing and it gets me literally so geeked (laughs) when i start talking about this because we are so powerful and i think the best way to end this podcast is something that i tweeted um after everybody was fighting (laughs) in my mentions about the impossible burger something important to always keep in mind is that the best way to destroy a good movement is to destroy it from the inside so to destroy it and to separate ourselves from other vegans for things that aren't big i'm not saying they're not big deals but how do i put that and if we are going to just continuously fight other vegans for eating the impossible burger for eating the beyond burger for drinking pea milk for eating gmo fruits and vegetables that's not productive what's productive is fighting against animal testing what's productive is coming together and fighting for animal liberation total animal liberation and that includes rats in animal testing nobody no vegan is sitting out here like oh my god i'm so happy that these rats were tested on i'm sure we all think that that's awful and it's sad that we live in this world that requires things like that in order for us to create more vegans so like i said to wrap shit up the best way to destroy a good movement is to destroy it from the inside just remember that remember that when you're deciding to fight other vegans because it's not productive and i'm not saying that we can't have conversations within uh, with other vegans i'm not saying that we have to ignore because i know people always go to the extremes when i say stuff like this they're like um tyra you're asking me to ignore the ableism in the vegan community and i can just not do that like i'm not saying to do that i'm not saying that we can't criticize especially the way that our advocacy is harmful and wrong and just straight up ableist i'm not saying that i'm just saying that the fighting within each other is not productive especially when it's about petty shit obviously call out racism obviously call out sexism obviously call call out homophobia i'm not saying that i'm just saying that the unnecessary petty fighting is just not gonna get us anywhere period poo okay (laughs) 
so that's all I really have for this podcast. I'm sorry it took forever. I just had so many downfalls. If you guys are trying to get a sneak peek of what I have planned, I want to do an episode on mass incarceration. That is a topic that is very important to me. And before I, when I first went into college, I wanted to be a criminal justice attorney. And so that's something that I just, um, I have a lot of passion for. So I want to do an interview with my mom who worked with criminals her whole life. And that's kind of what sparked my um, passion for justice reform and criminal justice reform in general and her insight and her opinion on everything is kind of cool and I've always wanted my mom to be my first interview that I do on my podcast because I just feel like that is just I don't know just kind of what I've decided I want my mom to be the first person that I interview I don't know (laughs) so I want to do that and then I'm also planning a whole episode on Anita Hill I've been pretty vocal about her on Twitter about her sexual assault case that involves like joe biden and stuff like that so i will be doing a whole podcast episode on just her case and then also to wrap things up i decided that maybe i should do a whole episode on malcolm x because i think that there is a lot of a lot of people who didn't get that education about him and so it's so easy just to erase him from history so i decided that maybe i know a lot of people um even close to me just think that he was just this crazy radical black guy who hated white people <laughs> so i decided that maybe that might be beneficial as well but if you guys have any topic recommendations or anything like that please let me know and yeah thank you guys for supporting this podcast i promise i will be more consistent now that i have my laptop again and all of my editing software back and i'm very excited and i hope that you guys are excited too and so yeah i'm gonna wrap shit up because all i do is talk 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 and it's hella annoying so i will see you guys at next week's episode thank you so much peace